0: Trigger warning, this episode contains discussions of self-harm and depictions of an eating disorder. Listener discussion is advised. In episode 7 of our last season, the internet told me so. Two women, Aisha and Essinet, shared their experiences on something personal with me. They spoke about something they both struggled with, being bullied simply because of how they looked. Here's Esette speaking about the hurtful experience of suffering colorism.
1: It was painful. I, I was confused because as a child, you don't being growing up in a protected environment, you don't notice that, oh, this person is darker than the other person." We were all just playing. And then for the first time, it's brought to my consciousness that... I am darker. And the fact that I am darker is a problem.
0: Producing that episode helped me do a bit of time travel, taking me down memory lane. This is me from that episode, talking about what kick-started my own self-consciousness about my face and body. I've been thinking a lot about beauty standards and how they shape our perception of ourselves. When I was in secondary school, I became conscious of my face and body because people would constantly comment on how ugly I looked. There's this pigeon word used to describe an unattractive person. Whoa, whoa. That's what some of my classmates used to call me. I remember that there was a vote for the ugliest girl in my set, and I came out on top. It really affected my self esteem, but I didn't realize how much till so I grew up and started worrying about how large my nose is or how wide my lips are. This happened 14 years ago, but as you might guess, I am not over it. I still catch myself looking into the mirror, wishing I looked a certain way. And that's what this episode is about. It's about beauty standards, about what society, pop culture, and the internet tells us we should look like as women. Okay, as I shared in that episode, I'm still quite self-conscious about certain parts of my body. So when I got an email on a random Thursday afternoon from Karina of Area Wellness, I was quite excited to explore the conversation. Karina is a programs manager based in Lagos, Nigeria. She wrote me about her struggle with her body and her eventual diagnosis of bulimia, which I'll get to before the end of this episode.
2: Hi, my name is Karina. I am the founder of ERA Wellness. We host body image workshops and retail body image conversation cards. I live in Lagos.
0: Karina and her sisters grew up in different cities. You see, her family did a fair bit of moving from Port Harcourt, southern Nigeria, to Brunei in Southeast Asia when she was around the age of five. Living in Brunei was fun for Karina and her siblings, who she still has a close relationship with. As the second of four girls, she recalls being playful and adventurous.
2: So growing up, um, I was a very chubby baby. And then I became a very slim child. Um, But then as I was getting closer to the ages of puberty, I began fitting out and gaining weight. And I remember there was this one day that I um, found the scale in my parents' room. And I stepped on the scale just out of curiosity. Nothing really because I felt like I was heavy or anything. And then I saw the numbers on the scale. It said 50 kilograms. And for some reason, that has kind of shook me. I was like, oh my goodness, I am fat, I'm heavy.
0: At the age of seven, this new realization not only scared her, it set her on a course of hyper-awareness of her body. When she told me this bit, I wondered what had made her to be so aware and worried about her body. It turns out she had been getting unsolicited comments from nosy family members. She recalled one time in particular, not too long after returning to Nigeria from Brunei,
2: and we moved back to Lagos when I was about nine. And we had an aunt staying with us. She, she had just coming into town. She just came into Lagos. She was staying in the guest room. So we went to go greet her, you know, as per, you know, hello Auntie. Welcome, Auntie, that kind of thing. And the first thing she said when she saw me was, Oh, what happened to my beautiful gazelle? And at that time, I remember thinking, Why am I a, why am I a gazelle? That's so strange. Um, But also, you know, she was (laughs) insinuating to the fact that I had gained weight and I was no longer this slim, slender person. Um, And that was the first memory of me um, hearing such a comment, one, feeling embarrassed, two, and three, just really feeling like, okay, I need to work on this. You know, this is becoming a problem.
0: There was something else. People often compared her to her sisters. There was a lot of sister exes like this. How come you are different? From that very young age, Karina and her sisters were on the receiving end of all sorts of odd comments because of their distinctive features. If people weren't commenting on her body, they were attacking her sisters for either being too dark-skinned or light-skinned. As a child, she didn't process the comments for what they were, body-shaming. She just outrightly felt bad about her body and internalized the comments.
2: Uh, how come you know this sister is so slim like your mom but you guys are so fat like your dad what happened you should be more like your mom should be more like this sister so it was that comparison it was a very normal thing for us growing up like it was a daily thing um and then it became became us being compared to our mom the older we got in the sense that ah, uh, you guys should watch see your mom well she has four kids and she's still so slim you guys should be like her you guys should watch it and don't become fat, make sure that you're like your mom, you're slim, um, and you look like her. So that, that was interesting to be around. It was uncomfortable and it was really awkward. And at a point, it kind of got annoying.
0: It was from this point her relationship with food gradually changed. She began to experience immense guilt and shame for indulging in her favorite snacks. So in 2005, at the age of 11, she decided to do something about it.
2: What I started doing in secondary school in JS1 was i started skipping lunch at school because i figured that okay if i'm not eating as much obviously i will start losing weight um and i didn't used to eat breakfast then because we used to leave the house so early because of crazy traffic like 4 35 a.m um so i wouldn't eat breakfast i wouldn't eat lunch at school and then i'd come back home um, i was a day student and all girls catholic school come back home and then i'll eat like lunch slash dinner and that'll be like my one meal of the day and i'll feel like okay i've done well today i haven't eaten as much so i'm going to lose weight
0: in retrospect skipping meals wasn't a very good habit for karina to have developed but she was barely 12 and didn't know what else to do in response to how she had been made to feel about her body it sort of worked she began to lose weight and people noticed
2: How I would gauge how well I'm doing on this, my weight loss journey at the age of like 11 or 12. Um, We were a family that, you know, would go to church every single Sunday. And I guess because, you know, Sundays are one week apart, people have not seen me in a while in course. They can kind of see changes. So if people would compliment me at church and be like, ah, you're losing weight. So you're looking so good. What are you doing? I felt like, okay, I've done well during this week. I can continue doing what I'm doing. Um, and then something else that I did was that I stopped drinking soft drinks um, and then we used to like get cake at the end of church, like a piece of cake each, um, and I stopped taking cake. Skipping meals
0: proved to be quite unsustainable as a method of not putting on more weight. Consequently, Karina often overate whenever she allowed herself a meal. It was during one of those eating windows she had created for herself that she discovered the power of throwing up. And that triggered her downward spiral into an eating disorder known as bulimia. Hi, my name is Aisha Salahuddin. And I like girls. This is a storytelling podcast about African women and the different experiences life shows at us for being women. If you still haven't listened to season one, I highly recommend that you do after this episode. It's available on whatever streaming platform you're listening on right now. Karina went from skipping meals as a weight loss plan to forcing herself to throw up meals when she was 13 years old.
2: Then there was... One particular day when I had gotten back home and I was just really hungry, which is fair enough, I had not eaten all day. I mean, understandable, unexpected. I hadn't eaten all day, I was really hungry, so I ate a lot. Um must have been like rice and stew or something. I had a lot of it. And I felt really, really full and I felt very uncomfortable. So it wasn't really a thing of shame, it was more discomfort. And I was thinking, how do I feel more comfortable? Let me just... <laughs> sorry I'm laughing it's not funny but I was like oh let me throw up a bit so that um, I'm a bit relieved Um, that was just like logically what I was thinking there's too much food in my stomach how do I get it out it has to come out one end so let me make myself throw up so I did um, and after I did I realised that I just felt so much lighter and I had already begun liking and chasing the feeling of being hungry because I felt like if my stomach was empty I felt skinnier and I felt like I was working towards losing weight
0: She went from throwing up a couple of times a week to throwing up once daily and eventually doing so multiple times a day. It was like a contradictory cycle where she needed to eat more food so she could throw up and have less food in her system. Tell me more about why you felt like you didn't want to talk to anyone about how you were feeling and what you were doing.
2: I think a huge part of it for me was shame. There was already a lot of um, shame and embarrassment put, not just on me, but on people when talking about weight. Like, if you're fat or if you're chubby, you should be ashamed of that. So why would you talk openly? Um, I just felt like, okay, if I'm doing these things like low-key, I just, I don't know. I just I think I just didn't want to talk more about it because uh, of shame. And looking back now, if I had spoken more about it, I probably would have learned from... um, the adults who are not encouraging 12-year-olds to go on diets, that there are better ways to treat your body, um, and that puberty does come with weight fluctuations, and it's normal, and that, you know, you are beautiful regardless, and you're worthy of respect regardless. Um, But then, of course, as this snowballed into the actual eating disorder, there was even more shame and secrecy, because I'd already started off that way, um, because I was embarrassed that I was a chubby child.
0: I think it's easy to understand why Karina was ashamed to speak about how she felt. There's no way she would have been comfortable talking to the same adults who had, instead of extending love, teased her about her weight. As a result, Karina pretty much went through that phase of her life, eating meals and then showing up to feel better. She did this for six years straight, all through secondary school, and never told anyone about it. To be clear, Karina was struggling, but she didn't think too much of her condition.
2: I thought that this was just a thing that I used to do. It wasn't a big deal. I didn't think it was harmful in any way. Like, I could stop at any time.
0: Things changed in 2011 when, just after secondary school, she discovered the TV show One Three Hill. More on that after the break.
1: I'm a fashion designer. I love to design clothing that makes women feel beautiful and comfortable. After a year of procrastination and self-doubt, I finally decided to start my fashion business. At the beginning, I was worried that I would struggle with how to display my unique styles online. But then, I discovered another designer's gorgeous paystack storefront and it was the solution to my worries. With Storefront, I get a free online store where I can display my designs and add in details. I can choose background colors and upload pictures and videos of my girlfriends modeling my outfits. I love that I can display my designs the way I intended for them to be seen. And of course, very importantly, my customers can pay quickly. They just select the address size, add to cart, choose a payment method and pay. It's been a fantastic experience so far. With Storefront, you too can build a beautiful online store with a delightful shopping experience for your customers. Open a free Paystack account at paystack.com forward slash I like girls.
0: At 17, just as Karina was preparing to travel to Bushy, a town in England for her A-levels, she discovered an American TV show that changed everything for her.
2: I think it's one of the greatest shows in TV history. If you know, you know. It's called One Tree Hill. um, And they really touched on very important topics. I mean, they were all teenagers and it was crazy, but they touched on very important topics. And I remember there was an episode, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was Peyton who had Um, what they called bulimia. So that was the first time I ever heard that word. I heard the word bulimia for the first time on One Tree Hill.
0: Bulimia nervosa, or just bulimia, is an eating disorder and a mental health condition. According to the NHS, people who have bulimia go through periods where they binge eat and then make themselves sick by using laxatives or throwing up in order to stop themselves from gaining weight. So watching the One Tree Hill episode about eating disorders made Karina realize that her fixation on her weight, forcing herself to throw up, and feeling bad about her size were all symptoms of a much larger problem.
2: And they took us through her journey with it and whatever. And it was just really treated as a very, very um, important episode and just like a really important topic. So I was like, ah, okay, this thing obviously is a big deal. So I began researching and that's when I realized that, okay, there's a name for what I do. It's called bulimia.
0: Around the same time she started researching bulimia, she opened up to her cousin about her struggle.
2: But I was like, ah, let me tell you a little secret. I do this thing where I throw my food back up and that's how I've lost all the weight and, you know, just basically confiding in her. And she panicked. She just freaked out. She was just like, Karen, I don't know what you're doing. Like, do you know how serious this thing is? Like, she really went into, like, serious mode. And normally we're very joking. I was like, ah, how far? Like, why are you, why is it such a big deal? Even though I already watched the episode, but I still didn't. Think it was that much of a big deal. So she had told me then, she was like, just go and research um, the effects of bulimia nervosa. Just go and check it out and see how serious it is. Um, so I remember Googling bulimia, like really going down a rabbit hole as far as I could back then, with like, you know, incidents back then.
0: Karina discovered the effects of bulimia online, including throat swelling, tooth decay, bloody vomit, and mood swings. This put a bit of fear in her. So she got scared and willed herself to stop. But she couldn't get herself too. Bringing an eating disorder to a halt is not magic. It takes a significant amount of work, healing, and willpower. So yes, Karina understood that she needed to stop. She understood the effects and symptoms better. But she still felt the urge and pressure to lose weight. So when she moved to the UK for her A-levels, she tried a different approach.
2: And I'd go to the gym, it was like, basically on campus. So I'd go, I'd work out for like an hour or two and I lost even more weight. So I was trying to swap out um, the throwing up um, for eating healthy, exercising, really taking care of myself. But the thing is that that also then became an issue because one, I would still have the urge to throw up and I would still relapse quite often. So there are days where I would eat what I felt like was no health. Like maybe I'd have like ice cream or like cake and I would be overwhelmed with guilt. Um, and I would have to, but I felt like I would have to go and throw up.
0: Karina was struggling a lot. She badly wanted to form a healthy relationship with food and her body. But as I said, it's not magic. It doesn't just go away. So she pretty much continued the cycle of working out and throwing up. And yeah, she was losing weight. She went from a UK size 20 to a size
2: 10. So if you see pictures of me back then, I actually look sick. Like I look unwell. I looked like a different person. Um, and at that point, people started asking me, like, are you okay? Like, they were a bit concerned at that point because I was really, really slim. Um, too much for my body and my stature. Like, it didn't even suit me. It just looked like there was a problem.
0: It took a lot of time and a lot of trying and failing for Karina to get to a point where the urge to throw up, count her calories, and excessively workouts didn't weigh her down as much.
2: But over time, I was able to kind of let go of this strange regime, I was able to really enjoy life, and I began putting weight back on um and it was scary and it was uncomfortable and I had to fight back thoughts of, "Oh, you're going to be fat again, you're feeling you're going to be fat again, but it was a day by day thing of just knowing that life is actually to be lived, and even if I put all the weight back on, I can still be healthy at different sizes and different weights. I don't have to be slim to be healthy.
0: So in 2015, four years after she started trying to heal from bulimia, she began to open up about her struggles. And with her sisters, it wasn't one big reveal, you know, going, hey guys, I think I have bulimia. It was just an honest chat about her struggle with her body.
2: So it was just a an everyday conversation because I, I saw my sisters in person quite often back then. Um, so it just came up quite naturally in conversations where... I would try something new with food or I would not eat healthy um, all the time. And I think we just focused on really enjoying life. So it wasn't, unfortunately, there was no big kumbaya moment of like sitting around and like talking about it. But it just kind of was woven into our everyday conversations from then on.
0: One key hack that helped was understanding her triggers so well that she knew how to watch out for them. As she began to feel better about herself, she slowly began to ease into a healthier relationship with eating. It was her first sign of healing. Was there a moment or a story that made you realize, like, I think I'm going to be good. I think everything's going to be okay.
2: That's a good question. I think it was towards the tail end of those four years when I was in university and um, I just really loved life. <laughs> I was just really enjoying life. Um, and I lived in a city. I lived in Brighton in a city where there were just so many food options. And I remember just thinking like, oh, I'm able to just like go out and eat whatever and not feel guilty. Um, and there were moments like that, there were nuggets of moments like that when I would think I'd be like, Wow, like I feel no guilt about eating a burger or having a milkshake, you know, I'm I'm good. Um, so that felt good. So probably when I was about if I had to pick an age, maybe like 21, um, I was like, OK, my, my relationship with food is actually much better and I will be good. You know, I'll be OK. Yeah, And I was able to really balance what I was eating with still eating properly and eating healthy and exercising and nothing felt like I was overdoing it. You know, everything felt quite balanced.
0: After struggling for such a long time, Karina got to the point of being able to eat guilt-free. It honestly was an amazing place to come to. So, in 2018, months after bagging a master's degree in civil engineering, Karina moved back to Nigeria to start working. It was in Nigeria that she decided to tell more people about what she had gone through. We'll talk about that when we return from the
3: break. So I run a cleaning business where the people in my neighborhood can easily book a cleaning for their homes. I like that I can help busy mothers take care of cleaning so they can focus on everything else. Last Monday evening, I was talking with one of my neighbors, Simi, and I was telling her how hard it was for me to keep track of payments. I have a big blue notebook where I track my customers and how much they owe. It's really stressful. So Simi just asked me, do you know Paystack? She told me that with Paystack, I can instantly send an invoice to my customers online and my customers can pay with card, USSD or bank transfer. I'm not too familiar with all these tech things, but Simi showed me where to set up my account. And it was so easy. So since then, I've been using Paystack invoices. I send electronic reminders to my customers about payments and I get an alert on the app when they pay me. All from my mobile phone. No more big blue book. You too can create simple invoices using PayStack. Start by opening a free account on paystack.com forward slash I like girls.
0: After moving back to Nigeria in 2018, Karina started a lifestyle blog. On the blog, she wrote about the excitement of being back in Nigeria after a long time.
2: This story of like, you know, me having bulimia kept on like tugging at me, tugging at me. Um, And back then I felt like, okay, God was actually really asking me to tell my story. Um, So I wrote it up in my notes.
0: Documenting her experiences with bulimia was another sign of healing. So she wrote up a blog post where she came clean about everything. Her struggle with her body since she was a child. The obsession with weight loss, forced vomiting, everything. It was a raw and honest article. Karina says the blog post gained a lot of support.
2: It got a lot of reception, um, in the sense that people were DMing me, being like, "Oh, I also struggled with that. Thank you for telling your story. It was really relatable." Uh, people who didn't experience such were just like, "That was really brave and courageous of you." Like, you know, just just people really seeing it um, from. A very encouraging perspective, I would say.
0: The support didn't come from strangers alone. Her entire family was on her side.
2: I sent it to my mom, like, I want you to read this. Um, this happened. It wasn't your fault. Um, but, you know, I'm happy I, I, I'm able to speak about it now. And um, she sent me a message. Because my mom and I, we talk, um, we have very deep conversations via messages or, like, written letters, which I guess is cute, but also it's us just being strange. Um, but she sent me a message just being, like, she feels really bad as a mother that she didn't spot this, um, and that she's happy that I'm doing okay now, but, like, how does she miss this, you know? Um, and I think she spoke with a couple of her friends as well about it, who um, are my aunties, and, you know, we we have these conversations, and we spoke about it, all of us. Um, and I had to just reassure her that, look, it wasn't your fault, nothing that you didn't do or that you did. Uh, my mom, growing up, if there's anything that has the most positive body image she had, it she would never talk on herself around us. Like, even when she was losing weight after having my youngest um, sister, it was never a thing of, oh my God, I'm so fat, I hate my body. She was just like, I want to be strong. I want to feel like myself again. I'm going to work out every single day. So we grew up with that. So I had to remind her that you were the most amazing example of positive body image. Um, and she really did protect us from all these terrible comments that we would receive.
0: I'm not a mother, but I think I can picture how Karina's mom felt. You know, realizing all her daughter had been dealing with. Thankfully, they were able to talk about her struggles, and that conversation even made them closer. A few weeks after Karina's blog post, Bella Ninja reached out to her. For context, Bella Ninja is a lifestyle and entertainment website in Nigeria, they are arguably the most popular in the country.
2: I got an email from somebody who used to write for Bella Niger. They would like to talk to me about my body image journey and about bulimia. And they would like to publish something on their website about it.
0: Karina knew she was going to publish with Bella Niger. She felt like sharing her story on such a huge platform would help other people struggling with their bodies. But before publishing, she knew she had to come clean to her dad. She's not as close to her dad as she is with her sisters and her mom. So she did things differently.
2: So what I did was um, I was going out. So I printed out the blog post that I had written and I put it on my dad's table. And he was downstairs watching TV. I put it on his table in his room. So I went down, like, ah, daddy, I'm going out. Um, Also, I left something on your table for you to read. Um, I really want you to read it. Um, and I want us to talk about it later, (laughs) and he was like, "Mm, okay, okay, bye, bye, and I ran away, (laughs) and I ran away, like I went out, I had a good time, I was so anxious, not because anything would happen, but just like, I guess, I don't know how to put it, when you're closer to your mom, some things are uncomfortable to bring up with your dad, Um, Yeah, let me just put it that way, You know, and I I think also in our culture, we're not really that those people that have like all these deep emotional combos that dad, dads are not the most emotional beings, Nigerian dads. So I ran away, Sha. I went out, whatever, had a good time, came back. (laughs) And I was like, hi, did you read the thing? And he was like, yeah. So like, come, let's let's talk, sit down. (laughs) So he was actually very um, supportive. His focus, so his thing was that he thinks that what I'm doing is a really good thing. Because these are conversations that need to be had.
0: <sighs> it was such a relief for Karina. Her dad was supportive and understanding. He assured her that it was okay for her to share more about bulimia publicly. So, Karina was emboldened to do just that. She took to Instagram to share her story. And oh, she did the Bella Ninja feature. And it was a hit.
2: Generally, people found both very refreshing. They were just like, finally, we're talking about this thing, you know, especially in Nigerian context. Um, there was a lot of, oh, this is not really spoken about in our culture. And, you know, thank goodness it is because we need to. I remember seeing a gynecologist around that time and somehow it came up. I had told her that I had written this thing. And she was just like, if I know the number of young girls who sit opposite her in a hospital and tell her about the eating disorders, I'll be shocked. So like what I'm doing is um, really commendable. So, recommendations, there was encouragement. It was just the word refreshing kept on coming up. It was a really refreshing thing to read um, for people who did read it and you know were exposed to it. And there were yeah. lots of shares on Instagram, which was... I'd never seen that kind of thing before. I was like, ah, like there were a lot of shares on Instagram. <laughs> so, I was happy that it was, you know, being shared with those who needed to read it.
0: Karina pretty much continued to talk about her experiences and educate people with her platform. You know, her blog and social media pages. In 2019, she took things up a notch when she responded to a call for workshop facilitators put out by She Leads Africa, a community that caters to the professional and career growth of young African women.
2: When I got it, so I went, I helped hosted the workshop. It went really well. People really were able to relate to my story, but also I gave them like activities to do. Um, to explore their own body image. And it was a great time. It was really, really fun. We still have like pictures and videos from it. And that's when I realized that this is what I needed in secondary school. Imagine having a body image workshop when I was struggling with throwing up. That would be amazing. So I then began pitching to schools. Um, I went to a couple of schools. Um, A couple of my friends said, oh yeah, you should pitch to offices as well. I went to an office. I went to KPMG back then, like a workshop on wellness and mental health. Um, and that was when, like, the dots began to connect, and I was like, this could actually be a business. So that was the beginning of Area Wellness.
0: Area Wellness is pretty much a wellness organization focused on changing the way women see and talk about their bodies. As you heard, Karina decided to take her workshops up a notch by creating this business to cater to educating people about self-love, mental health, and eating disorders. I'll tell you more about Area Wellness after the break. Hi, my name is Aisha Salaudin. You already know me, host and producer of I Like Girls. I'm interrupting this episode to tell you about the podcast newsletter. I'd like you to join the I Like Girls community by subscribing to our newsletter. Every Tuesday at 12pm through the newsletter, we'll send out behind the scenes information on topics, guests and recordings of all our episodes. <laughs> that means as a subscriber, you have first hand information about our episodes that others don't have access to. And that's not all. You'll be among the first to know when a new episode drops. You will also be notified early about any of our activities, like the availability of merch, secret podcast events, and bonus episodes. So subscribe to our newsletter by clicking the link in the episode notes as you listen. It takes less than 30 seconds to subscribe. And I promise, we won't spam you. Okay, let's get back to the show. Welcome back. Karina had gotten to a point of healing on her own right. She had also come to the conclusion that she had bulimia on her own. From all the research she had done, and just by comparing her lived reality with how bulimia presents itself. But the thing with self-diagnosis is that you can be wrong. So I asked Karina if she ever sought professional help. Turns out that in 2020, she did.
2: It was nice to listen to I guess um, views from a professional's point of view and get even more tools and techniques under my belt just to deal with a plethora of like different things in terms of like mental health and life Um, so that felt really I don't know it it felt like okay I have guidance on how to do this Um, so I'm not like figuring things out in the dark on my own but I'm I'm being supported and it even brought me closer to my family and to my friends. I was able to talk to them about it with um, more expressive language after therapy. You know, I was able to really express to them certain things. I was able to really then figure out my triggers and watch out for like things in terms of how I eat and how I exercise. And I've been able to carry that along with me um, on my day to day, even up till now. Got the official diagnosis um, from the therapist that yeah, It was bulimia.
0: So it was pretty much, I know what it is. And then, you know, it was just the therapist confirming your suspicions pretty much.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
0: After her official diagnosis, as her therapy continued, Karina used her wellness to create body image conversation cards.
2: There was one that I couldn't sleep. And the idea of conversation cards had already come. But that night, I literally stayed up from like 3 a.m. to like 8 a.m really developing the idea, writing down the questions, creating the design, thinking of who to reach out to to help me bring this to fruition. Um, And yeah, so it was born during COVID when I was on a walk um, and also within conversations with like friends who were like, error could really go far. Don't give up on error, you know, keep pushing. It could be so much more. Um, You could really expand it. Um, And yeah, between all of that, the cards kind of came about.
0: These body image conversation cards are pretty much like any other card game you can think of. A bunch of cards in a pack, and every card in that pack has a question about mental health and your body. Hold on. I'm opening up the pack of cards right now to read out some of the questions, just so you can get a sense of what they're like. This question says, which of your romantic partners have you felt the most comfortable in your skin with, and why? This other question says, share a memory from school about your body that you want to forget or hold on to. So the questions on the cards are pretty much designed to make you think about your relationship with your body. And you can play with your friends, your family, or your partner.
4: Oh, well, you, girl, you didn't tell us that. You just told us to pause. And we were like, we were on time out or something. We like, no, said, Don't
0: One random Thursday afternoon. I invited Karina and her friend Asabe to play the body image card games, just so, you know, you can get a sense of what it's like.
4: So my name is Asabe. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm very excited. Always here to do and help Karina in any way. Um, I am the founder of a media platform called View, which basically is changing African narratives through stock video. And I also work in product partnerships in New York. So, I live in New York. And I guess that's it in a nutshell.
0: Asabe is a super fun person, as you can probably tell from her introduction. Both women became friends in 2018 and have been pretty close since then. Okay, so I picked out cards at random for Asabe and Karina to answer. When do you feel your sexiest and when do you feel your strongest?
2: I want you to answer. That's a good one
4: when do i feel my sexiest i think when i wake up in the morning
2: what yes, girl. <laughs> really? come on energy you
4: know, i need no context for this <laughs> i feel like i don't know what it is but i feel like i'm like my sexiest when i wake up in the morning like i i don't know what it is about a new day that inspires me so when i'm awake I'm in the morning i'm just like I really do take this and kind of this thing of like speaking to myself, which I mean, I live by myself. So I'm literally speaking to me or the Amazon girl. I don't want to call her now because she disgraced us. Mm. So I wake up in the morning and I'm like, this is a day for me to get what I want and show the world who I am. So when I wake up, I wake up like with so much spirit. Like I feel like my lashes. I don't know whether I had communion with God in my sleep. And so when I wake up I'm like Jesus Christ girl like your lashes are popping your skin cuz I've put like I've smeared like moringa oil or argan oil depending on the day on my face the night before so when I wake up my skin is like glowing Mm-mm. and you know I always have a lip mask on so when I time I wake up I'm like fresh like daisy fresh you know minty fresh and so, yeah, for me, sleep is so important. So when I wake up in the morning, it's like it's a new day to like make the world my bitch. So I just feel so sexy because I'm like, I'm strong and I got this shit.
0: <laughs> I totally feel Asabe and I absolutely love her energy too. I like this question because it encouraged Asabe to think about a situation or scenario where she feels good about herself. And Lord knows many people, including me, need that. Now to Karina's answer.
2: So I feel my sexiest, I mean, it's been changing over the years. I think I have different phases and different seasons. But at the moment, if I've woken up, I've gone on my walk in the morning, I've showered, um, I've done the whole share butter ritual, you know, rubbing up on my skin, everything. And then I'm wearing my underwear, like lingerie, and standing in the mirror. And no one can tell me anything. I'm the sexiest baby alive. Like, yeah. eh? It's just like it has to. It has to be the whole package, but like everything, the whole exercise, self care, share butter is important. Perfume is important. Like smells are it for me. And then I'm standing in the mirror, of my lingerie. But yeah, it's like by myself, I'm good. I just feel very body sexy. of
4: a goddess, mind of a hustler. Oh my <laughs> um, in I terms will... of,
2: <laughs> I'm enjoying
0: this like
4: <laughs> a lot. Oh my goodness,
0: this babe. Thank you. <laughs> Asabi spent about two minutes just hyping her friend after that. We answered a few more questions that aren't in this episode, but I'm sure you get a sense of what the cards are like now. They're really healthy, fun, and honest questions that keep you close to your friends. And I recommend that you get a pack for yourself. Through the years, Karina has evolved from the quiet teenager who secretly struggled with bulimia and is now a better, more confident version of herself. But there are still low moments when she becomes conscious of her body. Health professionals say that eating disorders are a lifelong endeavor. It doesn't particularly go away, but like with Karina, it can improve over time. Despite this reality, Karina is determined to never return to the dark place she recently emerged from. In fact, she shared some helpful tips that keep her on track with me.
2: Something that has really helped me, because there, there's still seasons where I really don't like my body. Um, maybe I've gained weight or I'm just not as active. or I'm just going through like a low period or whatever. I just don't like my body. Um, I have to remind myself I'm this is temporary. Um, regardless of how you feel about your body your body is worthy of respect that's one thing I always fall back on your body body is worthy of respect from yourself and from others Um, so I think of the fact that I mean I think it's taken many years but I don't have the urge to throw up anymore but if I did I would be like you don't want to take literally 100 steps back because to climb back up out of that place takes so much effort one, two um, in terms of how I treat my body I'm trying to be very compassionate to myself and to my body and um, I feel like certain behaviors and certain habits are just very jarring and they just seem very very aggressive on our bodies you know what I mean um, so I remind myself that you know be caring be compassionate everything takes time even if you want to change your body the a way to change and work on it consistently sustainably from a pace of love and from a place of compassion and genuine respect for your body um, in a way that's actually sustainable. Um, and there are times where I have, I've had to just literally get up and walk away from the room I'm in or from a certain conversation because I'm just like, I, don't, I can't go back there. I can't go back there. I've taken too much time and taken too much work to get to where I am today.
0: I get it. Whenever Karina feels herself slipping, She reminds herself of how much work she has put to get here. And being kind and compassionate to herself plays an important role in treating herself better. It also helps to shut down negativity from others. I asked Karina what we need to do as a society to get to the point where we're not shaming women for their body
2: type or eating habits. I think, first of all... um is really to call out that kind of behavior when we see it like now that we know better we're doing better you know all of us we're going to therapy self-loving fantastic cool but like taking action and when he's someone talking down on someone whether it's a grown adult or a child can I swear this podcast yes (laughs) okay I'm literally gonna say call that shit out (laughs) call it out put a stop to it immediately
0: I'm on the same page with Karina Sometimes, we need to call out problematic behavior like fat-shaming women. I wonder how different things would be if, all those years ago, the people who had made comments about Karina's body had been shut down and made to understand the
2: impact of their comments. For goodness sake, leave the kids alone. They are children. They are children. (laughs) Like, free them. All this horrible. Like, stop. Let's stop it. Let's actually just free them because they are literally children. You know, some might be resilient and be able to laugh it off and not care, but We have no place as adults, full-grown adults who know much better, to be saying any kind of crazy, ugly things like that to kids. Like, it doesn't even make sense in any way, shape, or form.
0: I 100% agree with Karina. And I genuinely hope that as a society, we get to a point where we're not obsessed with policing what others look like. As always, I couldn't let Karina go without asking her for a word or two. For anybody out there who might be dealing with body shaming or some form of eating disorder?
2: I really think that it's important for us to know that one, our bodies are not really created to be stagnant or to be the same all through our lives. They're going to change, especially as women. Like, think about how many phases you go through as a woman. Um, and two, just really give ourselves grace. Um, like, really, really give ourselves grace and be patient with ourselves. I just know that it's part of life. You know, don't, don't, Don't carry it for (laughs) head. Like everything will actually be alright. Last, last, it will actually be okay. Like humor it. Um, Look around you in real life and see real bodies and real skin and just real people.
0: Karina's not saying it's easy, but it helps to cut ourselves some slack and realize that our bodies are meant to change over time. Karina's bravery through the high and low points of her journey is so inspiring. And I hope she continues to find the strength to push through. If you are struggling with an eating disorder or know anyone who is also struggling, please seek professional help and know that you are not alone. Thank you for listening to this episode of I Like Girls. I Like Girls is produced by 27 Productions. If you'd like to get in touch with us, visit 27productions.co forward slash I Like Girls. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at I Like Girls Pod. Also, please rate and review us on whatever streaming platform you're listening on. Rating us helps other people discover the podcast just like you. This episode is produced and written by me, Aisha Salahuddin and Sami Atalamu too. Audio Engineering is by Dooski. Our editor is Peter Akinusi. And our theme music is by Banks with a double G. The rest of the music you heard throughout this episode is by Blue Dot Sessions. Special thanks to Paystack for sponsoring this episode. I'll catch you on the next one.